Good morning. You've come to church on the greatest Sunday of the year, the Sunday where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But to be honest with you, every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus our Lord. Amen? All over the world, pastors are standing in pulpits, or they will stand in pulpits today, and they will say, Christ is risen. And the congregations will respond, Let's do it again. Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. That is something to celebrate. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the climax of the good news that God provided for a broken world. Now, two questions about the resurrection must be answered for the skeptics and the scoffers. Here's the first one. Did it really happen? Was Jesus Christ really authentically raised from the dead? Now, the disciples of Jesus were so convinced that he was resurrected from the dead that they staked their lives on it. Take Paul, for example. Early on, he was absolutely convinced that Jesus was a fraud. And yet... He took that zeal and he persecuted the church, the followers of Jesus. But Paul became an ardent follower of Jesus when he met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. And he wrote a letter, he wrote several letters to churches, but he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. Now this was a Greek city and the Greeks did not believe in resurrection from the dead. They believed that they were trapped in their bodies and for their souls or spirits to be set free was something they longed for. So they had a skeptical attitude about the idea of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Unfortunately, that, that uh, idea invaded the church. So Paul hit it head on and he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth and he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. He said, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. The word gospel means good news. I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now this is one of the, the clearest, most succinct presentations of the gospel that you will find in the entire New Testament. Peter, James, John... Andrew and the rest of the apostles believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They saw the Lord, they talked with the Lord, they ate with the Lord, and they were taught by the Lord after his death, burial, and resurrection. Sir Lionel Lucu, 
who's, who is considered to be one of the most successful trial lawyers in history, secured his 245th consecutive murder acquittal on January the 1st, 1985. Obviously, his brilliance in legal matters and his expertise in, with his analytical skills were very, very important in his line of work. But here's what he did. He wanted to discern whether the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a fact or was it fiction. So he applied all of his expertise and legal skills to examining the resurrection of Jesus. And after he did that over a prolonged period of time, he came away with this conclusion. He said, and I quote, I say unequivocally, that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. As far as I'm concerned, as you look at the apostles, as you look at the early believers and the explosion of the New Testament church out of nothing, and you see how it's just exploded across the world even to our day, I believe with all my heart that the answer has been given. Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. He is alive. He's alive. Amen? Now, that brings up a second question. Does it really matter? Did he really rise from the dead? Does it really matter? I've entitled my message today, Because He Lives. Because I believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes absolutely everything in time and in eternity. Now, I want to drop in your heart today three changes that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has made for the world and the human race today. Number one. Because he lives, number one, you can know you're forgiven. You can know you're forgiven. We're all sinners. We all have things, skeletons in our closet that we wish were not there. And the enemy has a way of haunting us, reminding us of those things in our skeletons, wishing that we had never done them, wishing that we could go back and relive our lives and skip that part of our lives. And the devil constantly hounds us with that. We need to know that we're forgiven. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person within the sound of my voice. There's not a person living on the planet today. There's not a person who has ever lived on the planet who has not been a sinner we have sinned against a holy and righteous God, and it all began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and it's continued to this day, unimpeded. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That means separation from God, separation from God in this life, and separation from God in eternity if those sins are not forgiven. If only we could erase those things, if only 
we could find a way to earn God's forgiveness, but we cannot earn God's forgiveness. It's a gift. It's a gift that's provided by only one person, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus did something for us that no one has ever done. He went to the cross of Calvary. He became sin for us. God poured out his wrath upon his only son, Jesus, who was dying for our sins, paying our penalty on the cross of Calvary, shedding his precious blood, offering his body as a sacrifice for us. And Jesus died for our sins. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, I want to read it again. Paul said to the Corinthian believers, he said, For I delivered to you as of first importance. Notice it's not second importance. It's not third importance. It is first importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Listen, every sin that you have ever committed in your entire life, every sin that you will commit in the future, Jesus died for that sin on the cross of Calvary. He spilled his blood so your sin could be forgiven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 through 19, the Bible says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, now listen, if Christ has not been raised, Paul said, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Think about that. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there's not a single person on this planet who has ever lived, who's living today, and who will live in the future, will ever have their sins forgiven if Christ did not resurrect from the dead. But I've got some good news for you. He did resurrect from the dead. He is alive. And because Jesus is alive, you can know absolutely for sure that if you repent of your sin and you place your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you can know that you know that you know that every sin of your life is forgiven. And you can lay your head on a pillow tonight without any fear of what might happen to you in eternity. You can know you're forgiven. In Romans 4.25, the Bible says, He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised, listen to this, because of our justification. I can tell you this on the authority of God's Word. God the Father accepted the sacrifice that Jesus offered for our sins, and He proved it by raising His Son from the dead. Let me ask you, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? Have you embraced the assurance that God has forgiven all your sins? I hope and pray that if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, that at the end of this service, you will come to one of our staff members and you will say to them, I can't live with this any longer. I live in constant fear that I'm going to die and I'm going to stand before a holy and righteous God. 
And he's going to turn me away and not allow me to go to heaven because of my sins. And I tell you this, he will not let you in sin in heaven with your sins on your account. He will not do it. Jesus has done everything necessary to save you, to give you the forgiveness you desperately need. Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. Because he lives, you can know that you're forgiven. Number two, you can experience radical change. John Stott said this, I don't know about you, but I need more forgiveness for the past. More than forgiveness for the past. I need power for the present. Can we really break free from harmful and persistent patterns of living that suck the life out of us and hurt those that we love the most? I want you to know that the same power, now listen to me very carefully, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to the man, woman, boy, or girl who will put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that power, that supernatural power, can bring about radical change in your life. It's possible. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, Paul wrote, and, and, and he's, he's encouraging the church, the believers there in Ephesus. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers. And he's, he's praying that God would open their eyes and that they would understand the power of the resurrected Christ which has been made available to them so that they can change. The Bible says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. God forbid that we settle for simply turning over a new leaf in our life. You know, I've discovered something about leaves. If you go out in your yard and, and there's a, a leaf there in the yard and, and you turn it over, it's just as dirty on the other side. Have you noticed that? And yet there's so many people in our world today. There's so many people who live in Carnival. There's so many people who live in Memphis and in America and the world today. And they honestly believe if they only turn over a new leaf that God will be pleased with them and God will accept them into heaven. It doesn't work like that, folks. There's nowhere in the Scripture that the Bible calls on you to turn over a new leaf. It doesn't. Number one, you don't have the power to turn the leaf over in the, in the first place. That's the power of Christ. And, and some people say, well, I'll tell you what I do. I, I'm going to become more religious. And I'm going to make sure that my good works outweigh my bad works. And I know that if I do that, if I become more religious, if my good works outweigh my bad works, then God will accept me 
forgive my sins, and I'll go to heaven when I die. There's nowhere in the Scripture that tells you to become more religious. There's nowhere in the Scripture that tells you to make sure that your good works outweigh your bad works. Let me tell you, dear friend, the resurrected Christ can change your life. The resurrected Christ can take a spiritually dead person and infuse the gospel into their lives and change them and save them and remove their sins from them as far as the east is from the west and give them a new hope and a new start in life. That's the power of the resurrected Christ. The Lord Jesus can make the selfish person unselfish. He can make the greedy person generous. He can make the unloving person loving. He can make the prideful person humble. He can make the pessimist optimistic. He can make the rebellious person submissive. He can make the addicted person free. And he can make the cruel person kind. That's the supernatural resurrection power of Jesus Christ that is available to the man, woman, boy, or girl who will repent of their sin, place their faith in Christ, and commit their lives to him. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 4, the Bible says, Or do you not know that all of you, all, all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ, now listen, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We can live a new life. We can experience victory over the things that the enemy uses to snuff out the life of God in our own lives. You've got to remember this transforming truth, folks. Jesus is alive, and that changes everything everything because he lives you can know you're forgiven number two you can experience radical change and thirdly you can live with hope I, I tell you we live in a hope killing world don't we we live in a world that's full of lawlessness injustice and moral chaos one would be tempted to give in to pessimism and despair and to throw up their hands and say it's no use and follow the, the adage of, of the, the, the old folks who said, just eat, drink, and be merry. Bertrand Russell bought into an atheistic worldview. And here's what he said. This is a quote from him. He said, when I die, I believe I shall rot. And that is the end. All the labors of the ages, the inspiration, the noonday brightness of human genius are destined for extinction. The whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried in the debris of a universe in ruins. That's a horrible way to live. That's a horrible outlook. No hope for the future. It's like we're an episode between two oblivions, according to Bertrand Russell. That's no way to live. 
And, and I, I thought about the Hindu, Hindu worldview. The Hindu sees the future as the outworking of karma in one's life and a, a series of reincarnations until he or she disappear into the impersonal Brahman like a drop in the ocean. Not much hope in that, is it? And Orthodox Jews, they believe that their religious pedigree and their commitment to the Torah will ultimately lead to eternal life with God. That's not what the Bible teaches. In Buddhism, the ultimate goal is to be absorbed into the formless beyond. And that is a permanent state of non-existence or extinction. Not much hope in that. Muslims believe that human beings are born sinless and are good by nature. They depend on their own efforts to please Allah. And if they've done more good deeds than bad, they hope Allah will forgive their sins and let them into paradise when they die. But they live without any hope, any assurance whatsoever of what will happen to them when they die. Now, I'm going to tell you there is only one answer for the hopelessness and uncertainty of all these religions. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he lives, you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. The Bible says in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus went to Mary and Martha's home because Lazarus had died. And Martha met him on the road. And here's what Jesus said to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Wow. John 6, 47, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. That's hope. That is hope. Genuine, authentic, realized hope through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious resurrection. You can know you're going to heaven when you die. That's the kind of religion I want. And you can know that the best is yet to come. Now, let's be honest. We live in a broken world. And whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you have to face suffering at some point in your life. A loved one dies. A child or a grandchild is addicted to drugs. There are broken families and all kinds of stuff that the enemy disperses into our lives. And yet we can know that the best is yet to come. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, Peter wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Listen, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Hey, look, you may be here today, you may be watching live stream, and you're going through a difficult time in your life. I can tell you this. If you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, no matter what you go through, no matter how painful it is, you can always say with absolute truthfulness, the best is yet to come. And look, you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. You can know that the best is yet to come. And you can know that life with Jesus in heaven is characterized by joy unspeakable and full of glory. You say, how do I know that, Pastor? Well, in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, we get a glimpse of heaven. We get a glimpse of worship in heaven. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. This is John writing. And the living creatures and the elders and the number of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And in verse 13 of Revelation 5. John records these words, and every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Listen, folks, the end game for a believer in Jesus Christ is heaven. And heaven is more wonderful than my limited words could ever provide the proper description. And we can honestly say that if you believe in Jesus, you can know you're going to heaven when you die. You don't have to guess. You can know that the best is yet to come. And you can know that life with Jesus in heaven is characterized by joy unspeakable and full of glory. But that's not all. Listen, Jesus promised that one day he's coming again. He's coming again. Our king is on the throne this morning, this Easter morning. He is on the throne and he is being worshipped in heaven. And he's been worshipped by churches all over the world this morning. But he's coming again. And the Bible says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he will create a new heaven and a new earth that is perfect with no brokenness, no suffering, no death. And then he will reign over his eternal kingdom forever and we'll be with him. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. Because he lives, you can know you're forgiven. So let me ask you this morning. Do you know with absolute certainty that God has forgiven all of your sins? Do you know that? Do you know it? Listen, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do to erase the black marks of your sin that is recorded in heaven. But I tell you, Jesus... 
has done everything necessary to save you and provide forgiveness for you. He went to the cross. He died for you. He shed his blood so you could be forgiven. And I tell you on the authority of the inerrant, inspired, infallible word of the living God that if you put your faith in Jesus, he will forgive you. He will forgive all of your sins. And this morning, I want to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you here at the end of this service, we're going to worship, and our staff will be here, and I'm going to ask you to come to a staff member and just tell them today, I want to be saved I want to be able to walk out of this church and know that all my sins are forgiven. I want to be able to lay my head on a pillow tonight and not fear death and not fear standing before a holy and righteous God in judgment. Come to Christ. He will forgive your sins. And because he lives, you can experience radical change. Some of you here today, some of you watching by live stream, you're caught in the vortex of a sin that is sucking the very life out of you. And you wonder, is there any hope for me? Is there any hope? Can I break free from this addiction? Can I break free from a life of immorality? Can I break free from the bitterness that has ragged me day and night for years. I tell you, if you're a born-again believer, you can. The power of Jesus Christ can set you free. And I'm going to ask you to do something in just a moment. In just a moment, when we issue the invitation, I'm going to ask believers to come to the altar. Believers, come to the altar and pray. Pray for those who need to have their sins forgiven. Pray for those who need the power of God to set them free from the brokenness in their lives. And number three, because he lives, you can live with hope. You can live with hope. You know what we need to do? We need an attitude adjustment. I remember my daddy saying to me sometimes, son, you need an attitude adjustment. And I knew what that meant. He had a unique way of adjusting my attitude. And I believe there are a lot of believers in our world today, especially in America, that need an attitude adjustment. Because it's so easy for us to be blindsided by what's happening in the world. It's so easy for us to feel like there's absolutely no hope for the future. And I tell you, my dear friend, we need an attitude adjustment. We need to remember that Jesus Christ is our hope, that we have a living hope and a living Lord. And maybe you need to come to the altar and you need to bow before the Lord and ask him to remind you every single day that there is hope in Christ and that what awaits you, the best is yet to come. You can know that you're going to heaven when you die. You can know that in Life with Jesus in heaven is characterized by unbelievable joy. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I'm going to ask our staff to come. And I want to invite you today to seriously consider the implications of the Word of God today.
because he lives, you can know you're forgiven. Because he lives, you can experience radical change. Because he lives, you can live with hope. And I'm going to invite believers to come to the altar and pray. Pray for the Spirit of God to move in a powerful way in their lives. I'm going to ask believers to come right now. Just come and bow here at the altar and begin to intercede for men, women, boys, and girls who are watching live stream. For men, women, boys, and girls who are in this room who need to make a decision for Christ, you come and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the resurrected Christ will be glorified in our response to the Word of God today. Lord, we praise you that you're alive. We praise you that because you live, we can know we're forgiven. Because you live, we can experience radical change. Because you live, we can live with hope, even in a hopeless world. Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name.